The second drummer drowned. We are Hottest 100s and Thousands, and we have taken over your radio station. Fuck, I got the wrong. How did I get my own intro wrong? I've done it like a billion times, and I got it wrong. Because uh, you're too distraught about the drummer drowning. Yeah. I know, it was it's so, so sad. sad. <laughs> this is the intro. Drummer drowned. We are hottest one hundreds and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hottest One Hundred. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again is Nathan Harrison. Hello, hello. It's Adam Buncher. Can we bring the drummer back? Uh, with any luck, zombie we drummer. Can. We have the technology. <laughs> rebuild him. Oh, yeah, we can rebuild him. And Mr. Andrew McDonald. Always a pleasure. Ah, uh, the pleasure is all mine, my friend. Great to hear. <laughs> Alrighty, at number sixty, it's pavement. This is cut your hair. No bigger. <laughs> Number 60 in the 1994 Hottest 100, and it was Pavement with the song Cut Your Hair. Adam. Yes. You've, you you've, just said something about my haircut, aren't you? You've had a haircut? Yeah. You, not recently. You, I think no. I'm probably due. <laughs> yeah, your hair looks great. I oh, think thanks. your hair's fine. I don't know. Let's get the fade back in it. You know, <sighs> <a bit> more <sighs> fucking hipster. All right. Yeah. What's your uh, relationship with Pavement, Stephen Malkmus and Co.? Pavement is the pretty girl across the room that is talking about really cool things. And I know we get on really well, but like I'm on this side of the room and she's all the way over there, man. Well, and I'm already she's hanging just out with over she- there. <laughs> <laughs> So, if Adam could get it together, he'd be fine. That's exactly it. I just haven't got it together as far as pavement is concerned. I've talked to pavements like Cousin Yuck. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, a great band. Like, they put out some really good stuff recently, and from what I've heard, they are just, like, pavement, but, you know, like, a bunch of 15-year-olds who discovered mm. pavement and decided they were going to be a new pavement. Well, I met up with pavement um, at the reunion when it was Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks. And I was oh, yeah, like, yeah. oh, we maybe should have hung out in school. It's like, that would have been probably all right, Who I knows guess, where we could have been? Yeah, we could like, have like, been, been the thickest of thieves. I could have been a Jick with you, Stephen Malkmus. Yeah, I could have been one of the Jicks. <laughs> Yeah, so I like you know I've only talked to this pretty pavement girl one or two times in my life. This is probably the most meaningful conversation that I've had thus far. It's great. This song is awesome. Like it's proto Adam Bait, really. Like, yeah, man, pavement. I so Adam Bait. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's that's the impression that I'm yeah. getting. You and this person would get along fine. Yeah, man. <laughs> like like we should fire. set them up. Yeah. Obviously, the as soon as it kicks in, you know, the hooks, the way too lazy, way too cool feel of it all, and even the subject matter. Even though it's very moment in time and whatever, it's, I feel like the issues talked about 
there are very 90s, you know, about image and band and... Yeah. Um, yeah, we've done away with that that issue completely. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I mean, like, but... It is particularly starting cogent to talk in about, the you know, 90s. Yeah, exactly, because the yeah. 90s is when that was being talked about as opposed to the 80s when it wasn't. It was just in the fore. And also the fact that these guys are indie in the true sense of the word, you know, like, so they are coming from this other world and commenting on what they're seeing. Because if this was a band that was doing it today, like, it would, they'd have to be self-reflective about it. But it's probably not that, I was thinking. It's probably them kind of... You know, probably accepting to some extent they're in the music industry, but more kind of pointing fingers, I'd say. Is that fair? I think it's I fair. Say that. They're a real non image band pavement. Like, yeah. pavement just look like four dudes. They're cool because they're not cool. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes them cool. Yeah. Because because these days, like, you, yeah, you just wouldn't be able to do that because even the indie is not really the indie anymore. Mm. And an image is still so much a part of that yeah, in just a different yeah. way. It's, I also love bands that in song form kind of reflect upon their own disposability. I don't know what, what it is about that, but I just get into it. When it kicks in a gear at the end, like the, mm. the tremolo solo, so good. Yeah. Just like, you, oh, don't, you don't need anything more than that. That's a guitar solo. You just need to freaking rip, rip it up. And then from that point on, like when he comes back and starts screaming. Yeah, Korea, Korea. Yeah, the cr- obviously highlight of the of the song. Like, well, I'm in love with it. Yeah, the solo is just fantastically broken, and I love that <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and when the heavy bit came in at the end, all it did for me kind of was reaffirm what I th- what I've always wanted pavement to be. Like, I want them to sound like that all the time. You're a bit slinty. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're yeah, precisely. Exactly. Yes, and particularly because the the only pavement that I truly know is um slanted and enchanted, their debut record. Sure. Which is oh, a terrific. Really? Yeah. Which is a terrific record. It is. And a miserable record. It's a great, <laughs> it's a great listen. Time, yeah. yeah. But again, I listened to that and the, the album cover for that, it's like, like the old saying goes, don't judge an album by its cover. <laughs> and I kind of did with that. I was expecting it to be kind of like the second half of this track. And it, they don't really, that's not their sound. That isn't to begrudge them. But that's what I was wanting from Pavement. That's not really what I got. So this song, I think it is very good. I love how lazy and ironic cool it is. And it is just so fucking cool. Yeah. And the end of the song is where it really comes alive. But that was what I want from Pavement, is that mm. uh, that second bit. So does that stop you enjoying the song like more because it wasn't more of that? Or is it this like, this well, is it's, different it's, to it's other Pavement? they get for you. Well, I guess it, all it did was remind me, oh yeah, that's what I wanted from Pavement all along. That's exactly what I want from you guys. Like, it's still good, but it's just not yeah. for me. And but okay. the end of it is definitely for me, and I wish that they were always concentrating on that. Ah, so this it's just selfish. So I, this I, song is better than other pavement songs in that sense for you. To, well, to a certain degree, they've always had that kind of aesthetic, though. They know how to get messy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of like that it it has a foot in both worlds. That works for me for yeah. this song. This is a great song. Mm, yeah, I don't have much experience with pavement. This is my understanding of pavement. Yeah, this song. Yeah. Really. Fair it's cop, it's yeah. great. Yeah, it's, it's great. The film clip is heaps fun as well. And it's the cool. same. It's like, one of my favorites. Yeah. It's the dorky cool. That yeah. like that's just what they're pushing and and i think this is and and Britpop are kind of doing it in a different way but this is definitely the point in time where you have people being cool by not being cool yeah, yeah. We, that like just that alt rock yeah. sort of thing well, grunge opened that door and now you yeah. got bands like your pavements and to a certain degree your blurs yeah and yeah pulps coming through that same doorway yeah, yeah. but I, I think maybe like uh pavement have got a bit more of the irony that Britpop have rather than the, the grunge great the grunge, grunge, grunge is not ironic no yeah. not at all no. it doesn't understand irony. yeah this is yeah. like Eddie Vedder said that he wasn't ironical enough. <laughs> it's like that's it in a nutshell, Eddie. Good job. Maybe you are perfectly ironic. <laughs> yeah, maybe you are. <laughs> maybe you've ironically us us all. <laughs> oh, this is a couple of years before Alanis too. So. Yeah. <laughs> the nineties was a good year. Like, oh, a good it was decade great. for irony. Oh, wasn't it? <laughs> hey, Dave. Yeah. You know all about the hottest one hundred. I I do. I do. We to. get to talk about pavement again. I'm not sure, but I hope so. Okay. Because I, yeah, I'm a big, big fan. If not, 
And I'm going to do this just in case. I have to bring up a little story that I found about another pavement track called uh, Range Life, which also comes from the same album, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. Which is a fucking great album. In which uh, there is uh, some rather some rather biting lyrics criticising good friends of the show, The Smashing Pumpkin, oh. and uh, Stone Temple Pilots. Now, Malcolmus... <laughs> the high-hanging fruit that they both are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we well, love, they, we hey, love they the were pumpkin. at the time! Well, at least the pumpkins were. <laughs> <laughs> so, Malcolmus has insisted over the years that the line is meant to be light-hearted and sung from the point of view of an ageing hippie. Um, apparently, you know, it's a character voice. It's not us or whatever. <laughs> and he's later gone in live versions and substituted numerous other bands, including other friends of the show, Counting Crows, and the Spice Girls. Uh, however, as we all know, our good friend William, William Corgan, sometimes he's not so good with the joking. And what what the are the lyrics? Around. You know what? Like, this is me falling down in my research. I didn't look up the exact lyrics, but right. I know that it, it was... shot at the pump. It is the shot... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, Billy Corgan, William Corgan, hated this so much that he actually threatened to drop his band from their slot in the 1994 Lollapalooza Festival unless Pavement were kicked off the oh line. Oh my god! So close to achieving your goal, Stephen. It's me or the dog? And what happened? Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. With any luck, I bet nothing happened. I don't. I don't. I bet bet both bands played. Yeah, Yeah. I I really think that's why. I just bet that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also, um, there was apparently a long-standing feud between Corgan and Malcolmus going through trading barbs in the press. God, it's easy to pick a better of those two. (laughs) (laughs) So so easy. That is really easy. It's the one that doesn't care heaps about the feud. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is often the case, except in the case of, of course, War on Drugs and yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Sunkill Okay, here we are. Out on tour with the Smashing Pumpkins. Nature could be anybody. (laughs) Nature kids, they don't have no function. I don't understand what they mean, and I couldn't really give a fuck. The Stone Temple pilots, they're elegant bachelors. (laughs) They're foxy to me. Are they foxy to you? I will agree. There isn't absolutely nothing, nothing more than me. Dreamin', dream, dream. Dream. I can see why Billy doesn't like that, though, to yeah. be fair. <laughs> In defense of the Korg, which is a stance nobody loves taking, he's pretty much saying, you man's shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what's going down. I discovered Pavement about 10 years ago when a guy I was really into at the time, a guy called Ben Queller, ah. hosted Rage. Do you remember Ben I Queller? remember Ben Queller hosting Rage. There he you had, go. At one point, and he, he pops co- up with this little, little koala. koala. Hey, bro, wow. I'm Ben Queller. Yeah, that's, that's a really specific memory to have. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, I don't know. I watched a lot of Rage. I did. A yeah. lot. So that's why I remember. <laughs> Uh, so it's just like, hey guys, so I'm going to pick this video by this band called Pavement. It's a song called Gold Sounds. Thanks, Ben Quella. And then thanks, Ben Quella, because Gold Sounds ended up becoming one of my favorite songs of all time. Like, I love that song. And then, you know, I ended up finding pretty much all of their records. And so, yeah, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain is a record I would recommend for everyone here. And I'm not just saying that because I'm, oh, it's so great. DJ Y likes everything. Uh, but I genuinely think each of you would get something out of that record yeah I'm sure yeah. I would like, I love Sensitive and Enchanted yeah. I can't say them fucking it up yeah yeah album. yeah um, no so, band has done yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> but I love this you know it's a super blunt and unapologetic song that's the kind of band that Pavement were they just called it like they saw it it's got those super catchy hooks that really stick with you and the, the great dynamics between like the Dun, 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 and then just the smashing into the guitar parts and the and the drumming 
This is a perfect pavement single if you wanted to initiate the conversation. Yes. In a way. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to, yeah, <laughs> get it like, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the ball rolling. Then I, I think you could do far worse. I'm so that you guys are into it too. Yeah, I'm really kind of surprised. I, I don't know. I thought that the people maybe wouldn't like it as much. I don't oh, know why. Great. I just got that vibe. I'm looking at you guys mainly, Nathan and Andrew. <laughs> Stop well, glaring at them. You're yeah, pigeonholing us as people that don't like things. I don't know. I think I did like it the least, so you're not totally uh, yeah, off I guess, the mark there. Um, I'm on <laughs> to uh, you. Classic Andrew. Uh, Andrew. <laughs> there are lyrics in this song I don't like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it goes for less than 19 minutes. Yeah. It's not Nick Cave. And it's, yeah, not it's not Nick Cave. It's not Bush. <laughs> not Bush. <laughs> At number 59, this is The Jesus and Mary Chain with Hope Sandoval. This song is called Sometimes Always. Jesus and Mary Chain and Hope Sandoval of Massey Star fame uh, teaming up there on the song Sometimes Always, which came in at number 59 in uh, the 1994 Hottest 100. And we can't talk about JAMC without talking about the MAC. So, uh, yes. Le- you've got the floor, Andrew. Jesus and Mary Chain, their first two albums, if they just ended there, they would st- they'll be one of my all time favorite bands. Yeah. Like, Psycho Candy is one of my absolute favourite records. Mm. And Darklands as well, for completely different reasons. I just adore. So much music I love can be traced back to Psycho Candy. Mm. There would effectively probably not be shoegaze as we know it now without Psycho Candy. It was a there's massive record. There certainly yeah. wouldn't be noise pop. Even, like, to a certain degree, noise rock, in, in its, at least in its, in its aesthetic, can be traced back to Psycho Candy. It's a wonderfully perfect record. And in Darklands as well, like, completely different, virtually no distortion on it at all, a drum machine, just the two brothers themselves, kind of, like, doing this weird, acoustic, gothic, almost adult contemporary in sound, but just, like, gorgeous music. And then after that, they explicitly wanted to distance themselves from Psycho Candy, so much as yeah. releasing Honey's Dead, you know, in reference to Just Like Honey. They really didn't want to be associated with that record anymore, um, and all the chaos that came with it. And in the present day, they're far more warm to it, and they ended, like, every 60-year-old rocker, they're doing Don't Look Back to us where they play mm-hmm. Like a Candy in full. But nonetheless, this song, I'm always, like, it's a nice tune. Um, I'm always happy to hear Hope Sandoval. I love her voice. I love Mazzy Star. And she's a great singer, and I think her vocals here with Jim's are a great back and forth. They sing fantastically together, and I wish they'd perhaps even collaborated more often. But all this tune kind of really is for me is a reminder of the kind of genericness that the band turns into. It's very straightforward alt-rock. The fuzzy guitar solo in the middle is nice, and it shows they still know what they're doing when it comes to that. Mm. But it's frustrating because all it does is remind me of what the band did. And like this is a very nice song, but... If I was to vote for this song at the time, it would certainly be voting for the band. So you're not a Stone Throne guy? It's okay. It's probably one of the better of the post 
those first two albums and Automatic is nice as well but it's in their nice records I, like if they were the only records that the band made I don't think the band would have a reputation oh absolutely not reputation. but I don't know I, I kind of liked that change of pace where they, they went from such you know blunt and loud music to just trying something a bit sweet and simple just yeah, to totally. see what happens but I think like Darklands nailed that so well because I love Darklands yeah that's fair yeah. yeah like I have nothing against them writing softer songs if they kept the Darklands sound up I'd love them as well but mm. this is just to me sounds like if not bent by the record label certainly bent by the hegemonic power of the 90s alt rock mm. to play this kind of not middling because it is a well written song but it could be anyone's song. Exactly, that's the thing. I think that's a good point. Yeah. Hope's voice is like, like it's, it's really it's great phenomenal. as well. That's, that's... And, she, and she sounds great with Jim as well. I think. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. They yeah. complement each other that's, quite well. Yeah, that's I think kind of what this song has going yeah. for it. Because I'd never heard it before, and and I see the names, so I'm like, yeah, all right, here exa- we go. Yeah. And no, like, yeah, yeah it, like it could be anybody's song. Yeah. It's just like it's a back and forth duet. You didn't yeah. vibe on it? Not really. I wanted to, but there's just not enough song in there. Oh, that's fair. And I wish that. She didn't take him back. At the end. <laughs> totally. Clearly a scumbag. She has yeah. fondness for Just Like Honey as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess I gave it a little bit more credit because I knew who these people were, you yeah. know, and like the stature of, of the people. Like, I guess when you hear a song, you're just like, oh, it's okay. But it, like, if, if someone else did it, you're just like, oh, it's not great. I guess with those names attached, you just get into it a bit more. And that's kind of what I think the song has going for it by the fact that it is these artists, so that they're, they're effortlessly cool people. Yeah. The image that's got across in the song, I think, is the most powerful thing about it. Like, if it's just a back and forth between two nobodies who aren't cool, no one really cares. I just think this kind of conversation and this kind of song is not the kind of thing that these guys would be associated with. So it's kind of Mm. a subversion on this kind of too sickly sweet back and forth. Will you take me back, honey? Will you not? And it's by the fact that, like, it carries such an alt-rock aesthetic. And, it, and you know, because these people are just way too cool that I think it works. It sells an image of, like, you wish that you, you know, wore really cool clothes all the time. Yeah. When you said it doesn't sound like like it's because it's sickly sweet, will you take me back, back and forth? Lyrically, it could almost be a cover, I think. It has that kind That's of That's what I thought. It. I actually considered whether or not it was when I first heard it. So on, on the notion of bands disavowing their... I guess in the case of JMC, explicitly disavowing the past and moving forward and like refusing to play the hits, so to speak, because the new stuff's more important. It's a message that I'm all for bands taking up, but I guess it's only when I like the band in the same way that I don't mind in like, I guess conversely in my head, I'm like, I hate it when bands just do reunion tours and play the, play the album that everyone loves start to finish kind of thing. But I've seen Roger Waters twice and I loved seeing Refused when they came out on their oh, reunion tour. Best show. Yeah, and that's the thing. And it just reminds me, just because I've been thinking about it lately, because incredible classic punk slash post-punk band Wire just dropped a new LP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really good. And they're a band that their first three albums are Stone Cold classics that are so important to the punk and post-punk scene. Pink Flag, Chairs Missing, and 154. Incredible records. And then uh, those are their three acclaimed albums. Mm. But after that, they stopped really playing songs from those albums. And each, each tour has been in support of the new album and new sounds. And they've been really disavowing of the past. And you see them now, they don't play anything from those first three albums at all. Really? Yeah. They, they're really, disappointing. Man. Yeah, That's but, so weird. Like, you think then, that's what people would be going to see them pe- for. And people complain about that. But their new albums have been really good. The, this one and Objects, I can't remember the 2013 record was called, something to do with Objects, but it was very good. And the, the, their new stuff they're making is genre pushing and experimental and lovely and also poppy and really great music. But, like, it's not what the fans want to hear. It's a similar yeah. kind of thing like that. But when a band nails it, like I think Wire do, and like Swans do, yeah, it's, it's yeah, fantastic. Awesome. I'm doggedly approving of JMC's aesthetic to not be like, to be like, no, Honey is dead. But also, I like Psycho Candy a lot. 
It's interesting to kind of have that relationship with music, isn't it? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it, it comes down to like an ownership thing or whatever. It's like, yeah, as much, yeah, as, much as you as a fan think you do own the music, and to a large extent you do until you don't. Until you are in that live environment where it's like, oh, no, right, I'm surrendering all control I have over, over this stuff mm, to this mm. live band. Yeah, you, you're like, going to do it. How you're going to do it. Yeah, and like, like the idea that a band performing owes you anything. Like, because yeah. I guess to a certain degree you are paying their wage, but also depending on what you, how you view it as, because like the era of swans that I like, just to go back to that, the era of swans that I love Always incredibly, yeah, is like children Mr. of God. It's like children of God, like that when they were into like kind of lush, brooding gothic stuff, and they had Jarbo singing half the songs, and I love her voice. Yeah, and the present day stuff I love as well. Like I'm not like I'm the first to sing the praises of the seer and to be kind, but. Like you see them live, and you know, like I guess with Swans, you know what you're going in for. You might you might hear twenty minutes of a song that you know, yeah, which is half a song. Like, yeah. <laughs> hey, I've got a really fun fact for the Mac. Yeah, um, they've been performing this song live though. Yeah, right. Uh, the Jesus and Mary Chain on a recent tour. Who do you think they've got to sing the female part? I presume it's Jim not. In falsetto. I, I presume it's not. <laughs> I, I presume it's not Hope. Uh, can I guess? You can try and guess. Sharon Van Etten. No. I'll, I'll give you another hint. She's not a musician. Well, not Scott Johansson. No, because uh, she's she's sung just like County. No one, before. no one's oh, going to really? guess it. No one's yeah. going to guess it. But you'll love this. Who? Megan Draper. Oh, the actress who plays Megan Draper yeah, right. from Mad Men. Uh-huh. Uh, um, Jessica Pear. Jessica Pear. Yes. Yeah. She's oh, been joining lovely. them. They've been joining them on tour huh. to perform not only that song but also. Uh, just like Honey. Yeah, nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a period after the after Lost in Translation where Scarlett performed just like Honey with him a few times. That's oh. that's too much. Be, be still my beating heart. That's so good. <laughs> that's the best. <laughs> it's the same as like that disavowing and reunion touring and stuff. It's just all bias. Like, yeah. You rag on it if it's someone you don't really That's like. Exactly and then as soon as a band that does that it, you're like, like, oh my God, yes. Like, yeah. If anyone else did like a movie tie-in tour... It'd like, be terrible. I'd be, I'd be cringing like it. shit. We'd be shitting all but, over. But I love Jesus and Mary Chain, and, and I love Scarlett Johansson. Lost in translation. Really? Yeah, it's like, exactly. well, yeah. Like, oh god, damn it. Anyone else? Yeah. We'd be like, that is disgusting. Yeah. yeah. You know, Kevin Shields did the soundtrack for that movie. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, and it's, it's like you know, a, a band re- does a reunion tour for an old album. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's terrible. And it happens to an yeah. album you like. You're like, first in line for tickets. Yeah, but I have like, to go there. But how good was seeing the wall live? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's. Oh, it's weird. I don't know. <laughs> We're all hypocrites. We are. Yeah, we yeah. are. We're, all We're the biggest hypocrites of 2015. As long as, as long as we acknowledge yeah. our own biases. Best new hypocrites. <laughs> Best new hypocrites. There it is. Yeah. 9.2. <laughs> <laughs> Only 9.2? This is bullshit. <laughs> Oh, we're going to get like 5.4 next year. <laughs> oh, fuck. <Yeah>. Sophomore slump. <laughs> yeah. Not nearly hypocritical enough. Yeah. <sighs> and number 58, this is Pop Will Eat Itself. <laughs> Editorialising again, David. <laughs> Overruled. <laughs> this is Everything's Cool. I don't think everything is cool. Is <laughs> there we go.
That was Pop Elite. That's up at number 58 with Everything's Cool. Nathan? Mm-hmm. Is everything cool? No, it's not cool. It's like, not. We're all it's on the same. Fucking not. This isn't a great song. We're all on the same page about that. No, it's, it's okay. not. It's okay. It's, a, it's um, the antithesis of great. The vocals are, are terrible. The vocals, are, yeah. Like if it wasn't for the oh vocals, my God, it would be so a, bad. a bearable but horribly dated '90s kind of industrial dance track. You know what it is. It's a more polished people like donkeys. It is. Little bit. <laughs> it, it is a little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 that's the it's vibe that I got vibe. immediately. Yeah. Clint Mansell is in this band. Dude, what? Yeah. I know. That blew my freaking uh, mind. Because other Pop Will Eat Itself songs are good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let, let me let me stress it. This is not exemplary <laughs> of their sound. The song's fucking get awful. The girl, get the Girl Kill the Baddies is an absolute jam. They were fantastic when they were good. Well, it was before this? Yeah, yeah. yeah so this, 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 is, this a... is post-classic. <laughs> yeah. Post-classic. Um, so do you think this is a bit vote for the band, not the song? Because I, mean, I, I totally... I'm I, not could, sure. I, I could I, see I, this being kind of popular at the time. Yeah, I, I don't think it was vote for the band, not the song. I think people were voting for the song. Yeah. Which is it. Not, yeah. yeah, little bit. But I think the best thing about this song, other than uh, Clint Mansell, who has uh, done the score for a lot of mm. movies, uh, a lot of Aronofsky films. Also Moon. Also Moon, which, which is, is one of my uh, favourite soundtracks. Incredible. And, you know, like, whether or not you, you think it's, like, overused or overplayed now, The Requiem from a Dream. He, cool. he does amazing work. It's good, but yeah. it's just become so... It's, like, the movie soundtrack. Yeah, now, yeah. You know so I'm, I mean? I'm, just, I'm kind of done with it now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, that's the thing. Like, it's just, it's been I'll come oversaturated, but the first time you heard yeah. it, you're like, mm. But yeah, this in, song... In the Lord of the Rings trailer. Yeah, <laughs> what? Yeah, that's so weird, hey? Yeah. This song... That was on the Donkey Kong Country compilation album Go Ape. <laughs> Get <laughs> fucked. That was put out in the UK no. with the Super Nintendo. No. So every, everybody calm down. We know you're looking for that soundtrack right now. <laughs> oh, my God. Also also on the compilation are Primal Scream, Oasis, oh. and Radiohead. What Radiohead? Creep. What think, the fuck? Was... What does that have to do with Donkey Kong? Everyone can play Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh my god! Good. Oh, that's pretty good. I can good. get behind that. Oh, Donkey fake Kong's plastic bananas. <laughs> <laughs> we clearly have work to do. Yeah. <laughs> bonus round. Bonus round of DK Radiohead. Yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be a bonus yeah. episode. I was gonna say, let's start the band. Yeah. Let's be the world's first Nintendo-themed Radiohead cover band. Yeah. Uh, okay. Look, this is fucking terrible. I cannot fucking stand this song. I think it's droning and ugly and caveman like it sounds like swoop fronting death fx like (laughs) it is it is a fucking abysmal song i'm so so fucking annoyed that just the general good of this episode is being dragged down by this Fucking piece of shit. And, like, I think we've dealt with a lot worse than this song. Yeah, I don't think it's like, a great song. This is no, easily no. the worst we've had to deal with in a while. You reckon? Oh, okay. I, I wouldn't well, say see, that. Probably but, since yeah. Neighborhood Freak. Oh, we're allowed to bust no out those every that. now and again. That, that so. feels yeah. like it was just the other day, though. That <laughs> yeah. haunts me to my bed. I'm not sure what David's stance is, but I'm pretty sure I have the softest spot for industrial music here and electronic body music. Probably. And this is. No one would contest that. Yeah, this is just. This came out a little bit after Ministry's landmark Psalm 69. And it's just staggering how much worse it sounds it has that kind of that motor car driving beat and like that punishing kind of explicitly sampled drum work of EBM but it's just fucking awful it's it's so much worse than it should be fucking awful is a bit harsh I'm not, I'm not trying to board the David this is the worst song in the world ship I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to have a not dingy not the world yeah. just our current world yeah <laughs> just a current world a, our private universe yeah. that we have established yeah. right now like it's a bad song when it was done I, I, I went back and listened to it and I implore everyone to let's give a YouTubing to uh, get the girl kill the baddies 
by Popular Itself. Okay. Because that's a very good song. And you can tell that it's the same band, but just. Look yeah. for clues inside the baby's head. <laughs> <laughs> the uninspired vocals just knock it down that's several it. pegs. Yeah, that, that's, that line is so good. If, if you got rid of the vocals, it's still pretty bad, but like I could see how it might it's have been not way worse as yeah. just an industrial dance song. Yeah. Why electronic body music? Why is it body? What's the... I think because it's meant to be explicitly meant to be danced to. Okay. Like, could you move your body to this electronic music? Like, compared to most electronic music where you just don't dance to? But it's like, you've not. already got, you've already like electronic dance music. Yeah. Well, it's, it's not, so, it, it doesn't sound like that though at all. It's like, ABM is like raver gothic dance music. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I just think it's interesting they use the term body as opposed to dance. But I suppose like, if EDM, that was already an established genre term by that point. Presumably, I'm not sure. ABM came about in the late 80s. The ladies. Maladies, <laughs> as they call Tip. it. Tip, <laughs> maladies, maladies. <laughs> I haven't said it yet, but uh, it's pretty clear that I don't like this song too. Yeah. Do you want to say fuck this song? Is it worth saying fuck? I this don't song? think I will. I think you, you can won't. say it. I'm, I'm going to say fuck this song. You should have that. Yeah. Do you want? It? You don't want it? I'm passing it to you, man. All right. Alley oop. Sweet. Ha. More like poop will eat itself. At number 57, it's The Cure with... Like it. Hey this Andrew, is... sounds like you have something to say, <laughs> do you? I don't want to be the cliche guy with the Robert Smith hair here, but let me tell you, <laughs> I rather enjoy this song. This is exactly what I want from my non-album Cure songs. I think this is a terrific song. It's written specifically for the Crow soundtrack, but I'm pretty sure I first heard it consciously on the uh, Join the Dots box set rather mm. than the Crow soundtrack, even though I definitely had seen the Crow, but I was far more of a Cure obsessive than a Crow obsessive in high school. Yeah, right. It's a suitable thing to be obsessed about. Yeah. I did wonder, though. Like, yeah, I, I, I like the, the crow. Cr- yeah, okay. like, I like the crow. I, I figured you like the crow at yeah. least a little bit. Yeah. The, and you have friends who love the crow, don't you? I do have friends that love the yeah, crow. You, um, <laughs> who are, who that are does bit, not surprise me in the slightest. Who are a bit older than I am, who grew up with the crow when they were 14. It makes oh, sense. To, like, fucking um, romanticise Brandon Lee and, like, jerk off over his grave and shit. He was very handsome. Oh. <laughs> yeah, look, I've already, I only know oh, Brandon Lee from... his dad was in Enter the Dragon. Oh, oh. He was. Oh, is he related to Bruce? He's yeah, Bruce he's Lee's never mind. Oh, he just, yeah. he just twigged. 
Oh, I, only just twigged. I didn't do any research. It's okay. Cool. Being edited out, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, Maybe no. we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Nah, all my fuck ups get fucking left in. Yeah. You've got to leave in yours for once. I take out some of your fuck ups. <laughs> <That's so. laughs> I take out some of everyone's fuck ups. Yeah. Bullshit. Oh, oh, well. You want to piss off the editor? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? You want to play hardball, motherfucker? Guys, we're talking about how good the cure is. We've been talking about how good the cure is for a while. What do you think of this song, Adam? I like this song. I'm probably the... I don't know, Dave. How much do you like The Cure? Because I'm... I, compa- I like compa- The Cure quite a lot, but... I'm about three levels lower than Andrew, I think. Well, I mean, considering how high Andrew is, I still think I'm off the dais. I think it's, I think <laughs> yeah. it's like gold, silver, bronze over here, and I'm just, you know, like, I don't know. Having me nominated. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to represent my country. Yeah. Um, it's a pleasure to be here amongst all you beautiful people. But I do love The Cure. That yeah. being said, I, you know, it's just the love pales in comparison. And I think this is the kind of Cure that I really, really love. The Cure that sets a vibe, that has that rolling kind of sprawling beat and a, and a kind of heavy emotional thing. And it just allows you to kind of start at a level and get more and more entrenched in what they're laying down. Yeah. That's kind of what they lay down in Disintegration, which is, you know... My favorite Cure album. It's the best Cure it's album. It's the best Cure the album. Best. And because the thing is, and this could be on it. I feel like yeah, this, this could be on. Because this came out. This was after Wish. This was recorded after Wish, and I it was, think recorded, this was more Wish than Disintegration. But, but it was explicitly like that. They recorded it explicitly for the for mm. the film. Like it was not like a beat they left over and got back on the soundtrack, which is really cool. Yeah, and also looking back, it's easy to see songs like Burn and also even more so the film The Crow as how-to guides for like gothic tropes in the 90s but oh, at, at, dude, yeah. at the time it didn't sound cliche at the time it was just a wonderful bit weird way too sampled sounding cure song that worked really mirac- miraculously Robert's voice in fine form obviously and likewise Simon Gallup is the best post-punk bass player mm. in the history except for possibly Peter Hook but I don't want to give the guy heaps of credit yeah. <laughs> but I think this is a it's all the the wish kind of sounds but amped up with sampled beats and synth accents that don't really sound that wishy but like it's all still grounded in this kind of gothic grandeur that they do so well I love this song incredibly I think it's an absolutely gorgeous track really I don't know I didn't picture this to be like a oh my god this is like one of their awesome songs or whatever like it didn't do as much for me I felt it was a bit long like it, it's very oh, much long cure is best cure not always <laughs> I think not always as I said like it gives you real time to, to let's fall not forget how fucking and... long purple haze was <laughs> well, you can just fall further and further into your own despair and Pi- your own feels pictures of you cool exactly no one's you denying pictures of you yeah. mate alright <laughs> <laughs> It's the same thing around this era of Friends of the Show, you 2 uh, put out the song Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, which was on a soundtrack as well. Yeah, Batman. Yeah. That's also a good song. Yeah, it's fine, but it's like, it's not what you go to that band for. Oh, I would. You, you, you yeah, I, really? I, I think I think it's a great departure for U2's discography, c- coming from someone who was a little bit into U2 in high school because I went to an Anglican school. <laughs> the <part> of the <laughs> course. Yeah, all, all the crossnecks yeah. are just digging on Bono. <laughs> exactly. I don't think this is... If someone said, what do the Cure sound like? I wouldn't show them Burn. Not but right, being yeah. a big Cure fan and finding a song like Burn is very exciting to me, though it was at the time, and I still love that song. 
it just almost felt like they were like trying to keep up with the alternative rock at the time, you know? <laughs> well, it's interesting you talk about what they were trying to do or whatever, because actually the song was written and recorded at a time when the band was undergoing uh, a big lineup change. And whoa, whoa, the whoa, 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 that's a no very good, Simon. Very good Simon impression on the bass. Yeah, yeah. Bugger me, that's depressing. Um, I love that guy. So when so they and they say that that was what caused it to be a little bit more of a creative spark and a bit of a departure for them because they mm. were like a little bit freed up. You know, they had to compose this single song for this project and whatever. To quote Mr. Robert Smith, the whole thing was just turned out in like two days. I just had the idea and we just recorded. Me and Boris in the studio, very much like I did with the top album, actually, just sort of jammed on the drums and I was playing along. I was going to say, that was the, that was what happened with the top. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, yeah. apparently it was a yeah. kind of the same deal. I mm. think it's much better than the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't love it as much as you, though. Hmm. I don't know. I think part of it is just because when I listen to The Cure, I listen to albums. Yeah, definitely. That's how yeah. I want to engage yeah, sure. with their music because then you get a fuller scope. Yeah. And the songs just do more in the context of an album. The chorus is great. Yeah. The verses, I don't know. I don't know if they get there. I do love the way that he sort of trails off and goes down at the end of every line yeah. in the verse. Like, that's such a Robert Smith it's, thing. Like, it is very Smith. He can do that, and it, I think it's very hard for anyone else to pull that off. But I guess it's good. I guess it's good. That's, yeah. yeah right, okay. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I, can't, like, yeah. I can't get really excited about this song. Mm. But And this is the last time we'll speak about The Cure. Is this yeah. it? This is our and Well, until Robert Smith makes a guest appearance on a Crystal Castles track in the oh. 2000s. Oh, yeah. That can't come soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then, Bobby. Yeah. That's, that's, like, that's like me from Crystal, Camp Crystal Castles and you from Camp Cure. And we're going to high so five. Much yeah. Yeah. This is going to be yeah. like epic. It's going to yeah. be some major Eiffel Tower action. Yeah. We'll be 35. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... And I can also just say, though, the weird thing about this song, which I also, if I haven't made that clear, absolutely love. I get into it. it to me, it's like, this is up there for, like, the, the cure sound that I love, and that's I can't put highly enough. For a song that's from a movie called The Crow, why does it have seagulls at the beginning? Because it's a cure song. they got to have some ocean sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Smith needs to sort out his bird game. <laughs> well, he was standing on a beach and, you know, he was just recording them. Yeah. That's that's just what happened. Standing at the beach, staring at the sun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Killing a number. At number 56, this is Frente with Bizarre Love Triangle. Every time I think of you, I get a shot right through into a bolt of blue. It's no problem of mine, but it's a problem I find. Living a life that I can't leave behind There's no sense in telling me The wisdom of a fool won't set you free But that's the way that it goes And it's what nobody knows And every day my confusion grows Every time I see you falling I get down on my knees and pray I'm waiting for that final moment You say the words that I can't say I feel fine and That was Frente at number 56 with Bizarre Love Triangle. Technically, we do get to talk about New Order again. Indeed. Um, so, Snucky. yeah, this is a little ditty that Angie Hart and her little band Frente were just messing around with. They just decided to tack it on to their famous Marvin the Album. That's literally the name of the record, Marvin the Album. 
They didn't expect to get much of it. I think it was a B-side to Accidentally Kelly Street. Then radio stations just started playing the B-side and people were enamoured with this version and I can totally see why. It's a very tender and a very hard-on-the-sleeve take on that song, which uh, the original is wonderful to begin with, but... I've always loved the way that Angie Hart interprets songs. A couple of years ago, she put out a solo record and there was an entire EP, like a bonus disc of cover tracks. So she did like Only Love Can Break Your Heart by Neil Young. She did Four Seasons in One Day. She did There's a Light That Never Goes Out. Really gave a beautiful rendition of those songs. And she has just this sweetly innocent voice that still has such a lot of conviction to it. I'm always interested in the phenomenon that was Frente because they were everywhere for like 18 months and then they were fucking nowhere. Like, <laughs> they could have been way bigger band instead of like that cult flash in the pan thing. We've talked about in recent episodes, there was that whole burnout and with the weight of expectation, particularly when you came to bigger labels, you know, it's just like you got to sell 55 mm. billion trillion records and go on tour for 95 years. You got to be a star. You got to be a star. Real big. Yeah. yeah. Real big. Yeah. Real big. See? Yeah. See? Uh, we all just turned into Shh. mafia bosses. Stick with me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're all, we're all puffing away on cigarettes. We all did um, air cigars. Though. Yeah. <laughs> nice air cigar. Have a cigar. You're going to go far. Speaking of having a cigar, and going far let's uh, throw it to Mac you're a New Order fan obviously yeah um, like the actual the actual New Order song obviously is a great song obviously. yeah one of it's one tier. of their best so, de- so and, dance and I think awesome. it's worth noting was really popular in Australia in, yeah, 18, exactly. in 1989 yeah, it, yeah. Was, it got like number 5 on the charts yeah it was, it was a big song it was yeah. a big song like for them yeah. Yeah. yeah so like like yeah. new like, uh, like Blue Monday big not yeah. tapping yeah. into something when, yeah. when this cover comes up what 5 years later yeah. people still list it like in best songs of all time yeah it's one of those classics like, it's one of those yeah. songs yeah and I, like the fact that it's so radically transformed here where if you didn't know the New Order song you would have no idea how and then if you heard, if you're familiar with this without being familiar with the New Order one and then you heard the New Order it would blow, you blow your mind, mind. that sounds a bit different and that's I, I I love a daring cover like that what I think she does here is by singing it the way she does she drives home how romantic and beautiful the lyrics are which I didn't mm. which I didn't really ever think about when listening to New Order and it reminded me of how a reason that I like New Order that I often don't think about but I think this like the fact that you told me that it was a B side is not surprising. It sounds a bit like a bonus track or a like a version kind of treat. Proto like a version. Yeah, this exactly. Song, yeah, definitely. Even thinking about it, because that's what it sounds like. Because it sounds like it was recorded with a tape recorder in a small room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it's it's pleasant enough, but now I'm I'm kind of struggling to remember how it sounds. Like I liked it, but it was <coughs> not that memorable for me. It was not- enjoyable, but yeah. It was like a like a sand in an hourglass. So too was Frente's cover of the song. <laughs> I think for me, it actually serves as a palate cleanser for the countdown. I think it's so different for like it, everything yeah, around it is so not this exactly. Yeah, and this and true. it's short and it's sweet and it's so simple yeah. and it just comes in and it's just like having a nice glass of water after you've had like a big meal and it just kind of washes it away and makes you like. If I was listening to the countdown from 100 to one after the song, I'd be like, oh, okay, I'm ready to ready to do more. Let's go. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Awesome. Sure. And let's you're talking let's about let's continue cracking on with the tinnies because it's Australia Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Enough of this water. You. <laughs> <laughs> I think not only does it show the lyrics for the for the beautiful thing that they are, but also the melody because uh, mm. essentially that's all you've got here is just the melody and that little bit of accompaniment on guitar. But it highlights that 
what's going on in that new order track is not only incredible lush kind of way to 80s uh pop production which is you know what you hear mostly when you hear it but you take all that away and the songwriting itself is so jam yeah it's just it's right there and this is brought across brilliantly in this song which i think is a sign of a good choice of a cover if not a great interpretation of a cover as well and banerji heart absolutely nails it with her vocal performance and i think her vocals especially what i hear in this song I think serve as a kind of guiding light for a lot of other female vocalists mm. that will come through in this country. Oh, yeah, I, I think her, vo- her vocal style, I think, is one that has been emulated since then. And I think uh, to the benefit of those that have, because I think it's lovely. A good reference point, sort of in that cultural progression or whatever. I'd say so, yeah. 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 Ian McFarlane, the music journalist, said that Frente had a tweenness about them that could have been off-putting if not for its honesty. And I think I think there's something to that. I, mm. like that, yeah. that hits home with me. I'm like, yeah, yeah that's... Even if it starts song. and you know, I'm like, oh, I don't know. But then almost instantly, I think I, I'm there. They've won me over. And it very easily could have gone the other way. It very easily could have been a horribly twee. Yep. Like, I mean, mm. if it was a ukulele, that'd do it. <laughs> I also like it as an example of people power. The fact that they, they recorded it as a B-side and they didn't want to do much with it. And then it started getting a little bit of airplay. Yeah. People just loved it. And they and they pushed it. Eventually got it to the countdown. Well, yeah, nice. Look at it now. Look at it now. Mm. I think it's a really great cover. Frente, well, though, will always be the band that in year 9 and 10, when we were into Frenzel Rom, and I would go into every single music shop and look in the F section for Frenzel Rom, Frente with friend. the exclamation yeah. mark looks an awful lot like Frenzel and never is. That's, that's Frente to me. So it'll always be a little bit disappointing and to so you? It's always like, oh, is this? No, that's not Frenzel. Like, no. That doesn't look anything like a Frenzel Rom album. That said, Lindsay, if you're listening, I would love a Frenzel version of Accidentally Kelly Straight. Yeah. <laughs> or you should do like a split album. You can call it Frente Rom. Frente Rom. Yes. <laughs> endless, endless potential. That brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio once again for having us, FBIRadio.com. But before we get out of here, we are going to nominate our favourites and our least favourites. My favourite, of course, was Pavement with Cut Your Hair. And my least favourite was Poop, sorry, Pop Will Eat Itself with Everything's Cool. Snap. Snap indeed. Nathan. Yeah. What do you got? Snap. Like, oh, oh, same. Yeah. Snaps. Like, it was a. I, Snaps you, I for DJ Y. Snaps for DJ Y. Woo! My favorite was obviously The Cure, and my least favorite was, of course, PY. Yeah, look, obviously, my least favorite is Pop Elite itself. Uh, you know, Clint, mate, love your work, but dude, what are you doing? Um. <laughs> And it's so close between The Cure and Pavement and mm. um, like for me because I really really enjoyed both those tracks but you know I think and I, I, I had it written down here The Cure but I think I'm going to go with Pavement because it's just I don't know makes more sense to me right now <laughs> did you want to say something? No, no, no. I, I was expecting you to wrap it up. I, that's exactly what I'm doing. It just looked like you were about to say something. No, it was. Like, I was ready to say thanks for having me, David. <laughs> <laughs> just assuming the position. Yeah. <laughs> Play me out. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of Mr. Andrew McDonald. Thanks for having me, David. You're so welcome. On behalf of Mr. Adam Buncher. Yeah, thanks, Dave. You're so welcome. And on behalf of Mr. Nathan Arison. It's been a pleasure. You're goddamn right it has been. My name is David James Young. Keep music evil. Goodbye. Goodbye.